0: Welcome to
1: The Table Podcast, where we discuss issues of God and culture. Brought to you by Dallas
0: Theological Seminary.
1: Welcome to The Table, where we discuss issues of God and culture. I'm Mikel Del Rosario, Cultural Engagement Manager at the Hendrick Center here at Dallas Theological Seminary, and our topic today is Christian Identity and Spiritual Influence at Work. I have one guest in studio today. Mark Belton. Mark is the principal of Wise Fellow Consulting. Uh, thank you so much for being here, Mark. I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I want to start out by asking you just to tell us a little bit about yourself. You're from New York, right?
2: Yes, I am. Born and raised. I grew up in Hempstead or West Hempstead, New York. And uh You know, um, went to college in New Hampshire at Dartmouth College and then went to the Wharton School and found myself out in Minnesota at the age of 24 to come work at a place called General Mills.
1: Okay, okay. So how does does a New Yorker like you end up in General Mills? And uh, tell us a little bit about your experience there.
2: Yeah, you know, it's kind of funny. You know, I wanted to do consumer packaged goods. And at the time, there were a few companies that were what you'd consider, you know, best in class. Mm -hmm. And General Mills was one of those. And um, I had never been further west than Pittsburgh hmm. you know before, so for me, it was a whole new experience you know, and a chance to do some very new things at a company that I thought was world class mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. my goal was just to get to one of those top tier companies, you know hoping to become an apprentice and really learn and get better at what I did and I'm surprised I was there actually for thirty two years.
1: Hmm. Wow, now some people might be familiar with General Mills, but what are some of the more popular brands people would would associate with? Uh... Every day whether they see.
2: Yeah, you know, um, number one, you'd probably think of Cheerios. Mm-hmm. you think of YoPlay, right. You'd think of Betty Crocker. You might not know, but haagen would be a part of that. You're part of the General Mills family. So those would be just a few of the companies that I think you'd uh, you'd pick up and remember.
1: Mm-hmm. And what are some of the roles that, that you played while you were there?
2: Yeah, yeah. I started as a marketing assistant and kind of worked my way up from that. You know, assistant brand manager, brand manager, marketing director, VP, I was the first president of the snacks division. I ran Big G cereals. I started a new ventures area for the company. Um, you know, I uh, my last job was basically uh, EVP over global strategy, M and A, marketing, the marketing field for the company, as well as new business development.
1: Mm-hmm. I was a marketing assistant as well right out of college. Yeah. And so, you know, you think about what does it take for you to have a bowl of Cheerios in the morning, right? You think about maybe everything from the farmers to, you know, who take care of the, the actual ingredients into maybe retail distribution and stuff. But we don't often think about the marketing <laughs> that goes into it and just uh, people like you who make, make the company run and make everything happen, right?
2: Absolutely. You know, Lucky doesn't dance. <laughs> and the Trix Rabbit doesn't go crazy, nor does the, uh, you know, Sunny the Cuckoo Bird. Go nuts without marketing people to yeah. make those things come alive for kids That's right. and for adults.
1: Yeah, it takes a lot of people to to yeah. put this stuff together and just to, things that we take for granted in everyday life. There's so many people whose work is valued by God. Yes, um, who are involved from you know driving trucks to stocking shelves to doing marketing assistant kind of stuff as well.
0: Yes,
2: absolutely. Yeah, every piece important. That's right.
1: Well, as so he used to say, if your job wasn't important, you wouldn't be on the payroll, right? <laughs>
2: yeah, I guess so. I think in the world we are in these days, you know, with productivity and everything else, you certainly wouldn't be there. That's right. Well, as we think about
1: Christians who work in uh, the corporate world or in various uh, areas, uh, what are some of the spiritual challenges that uh, Christians um can can face and that that you've seen actually in in the corporate world, what are some of those challenges? Yeah, I think the
2: easy ones you know that not only Christians, but I think most people face, you know are kind of the three p's hmm. you know, um, perks, privilege, and power. You know hmm. those are the three p's that folks face. You know, there are a variety of other ones too, you know, other ones that may challenge your sense of identity, your sense of self-worth, um, you know, But, you know, I think they almost start, you know, in that area of the three Ps. Hmm. Those are a big deal. Hmm.
1: Can you unpack some of the some of those things for us? Like like how does how does perks um, how does that challenge people spiritually?
2: Yeah. Well, you know, if you depending on where you are in the organization, you know, especially if you're talking about senior executives, Mm -hmm. you know, there are a variety of perks that are available to folks who are in those jobs, whether it's flying on a corporate jet, you know, or um, Frankly, just the way people might end up treating you, you know, mm. and, and there are always people around who have something for you, mm-hmm. and so you know, perks are one of those things that I think can get in your way and cloud your vision a little bit, and puff up your pride, and puff up your pride for sure.
1: It makes Absolutely. it kind of kind of difficult to see people as uh, if you're used to seeing people as just there to serve you, right? Not seeing right. them as as. Fellow people made in the image of God who are valuable to God, but Mm -hmm. I'm thinking everything revolves around you because sometimes it feels like it does, right?
2: Yeah, absolutely. You know, they can either view them as someone who's there to serve you, Mm -hmm. or you often can think of it as, you know, there's someone who's there who wants something from you. Mm, That's right. And so it can either make you run, you know, because gosh, everybody wants something. And, you know, gosh, I'm just tired of, you know, people who might not be you know, authentic wanting something. Or on the other side, you know, hey, you're here to help me do what I do because I'm at the top of the house and what I say matters. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Neither of them are good.
1: Yeah, yeah. So there is some insecurity that some Christians face as well. Sometimes Christians are... kind of go undercover? Have you seen that in the workplace? Yeah. And what's what, what some of the causes of those things?
2: Yeah, you know, I, I sometimes I'll talk about the undercover Christian. You know, it's the person you've worked with for two or three years and you don't really even know that they're a believer until some reason it actually comes out. And, uh, you know, a lot of times it's because they are trying to disguise themselves, you know, to fit an image of someone who thinks they need to be a certain way to be successful in an organization. You know, when in truth most organizations just want people to bring their talents and gifts every day for a common cause, you know, sometimes people actually view that as no, really, what they want is they want me to fit a certain box. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. uh, and that can get in the way. Just Mm -hmm. allowing you to be free to do the great things you can do.
1: Mm hmm. So you can fall into the trap of, of being this undercover Christian where nobody knows you're a Christian. Then right. I guess the flip side is you can be the kind of person who when they find out they go, No, wait, that guy's not Christian, right? Well yeah.
2: <laughs> I don't know which is worse, right? You know, or hiding or or maybe not, you know, uh, representing God the way he wants to be mm-hmm. represented. You know, neither are good. Right. You know, I think the undercover one just represses you. And denies you the opportunity to fellowship with other people while you are in the workplace and see the great things God is doing through another pair of eyes beyond yourself. Now I think the the second one is just well, it's just being a reproach to the kingdom, mm-hmm. not living right, not doing mm-hmm. right.
1: And sometimes this—the desire for advancement—does that to some people. Have you seen uh, advancement and and you know making a name for yourself kind of a thing um, impact a Christian as well?
2: Yeah. Well, I think uh, making people out there trying to make a name for themselves, boy, that's a tough one for everyone. Yeah, you know, because these environments are very competitive, and uh, and they do demand you know you have to perform, mm-hmm. and uh, and so on some level, you know, people think that performance is in the business, actually making the numbers and delivering, and some people think it's part performance. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, <laughs> one is helpful and the other one is not.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, thinking about uh, these kinds of traps um, where Christians find their identity somewhere else, you know, it's so, it's so easy to, to say, you know, what's on my business card? That's me. Right, I think for yeah. a lot of people, Christian and non-Christian people, um, feel like what's on their business card defines them. Where a layoff could happen, a, you know, a different season of life could happen, an accident, whatever. And then what are you going to say? Hi, I'm I'm nothing, right? <laughs> you right. can't say I'm nothing because you're not, right? But yet sometimes people have this identity that's that's so wrapped up in in their work. How have you been able to negotiate that with? Um, with the work that that you have done and the work that you do now,
2: yeah, you know I think uh, first and foremost, I think you need a clear sense of what your true identity is, and you know number one, you're a child of the king, you know, which is a high, high position, number two, you're made in the image of God, number three, you know God loves you, not for what you do, not for your performance, you know he loves you because he he created you, and um And number four, you're here on this planet because you have a purpose. There is a reason for your being here. And I think if you can anchor yourself in those things, you know, that that gives you the – I think it just allows you to be a lot more free in your exchanges with people. It, It takes a lot of the burden away, and it takes away the necessity of the card, you know, as a defining variable for who you are. Um, you know, in truth, what you do does say something about you, but mm-hmm. it, it doesn't say the eternal stuff about you. That's right. You know, that you've been born and paid for a price and that you have an eternal destiny. And so, you know, I think you've just got to spend time to make sure that you know who you really are. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. Tell us about how you came to faith in the Lord and how uh, you came to the point where you realized that God actually impacts
2: uh, your work. Yeah, you know. Well, I was, uh, yeah, I didn't really operate inside the kingdom until you know until my thirties. Um, you know, I did go to church as a kid. Um, you know, was a Methodist kid, but I didn't really, I didn't really pick up. You know, just didn't make the connection. Mm-hmm. You know, I got confirmed, but I just never really made the connection. And I went off to college and graduate school, and you know, frankly, I threw the things of God certainly behind my back and just kind of moved on. You know, and I made it. Pretty much about my way, my plan, my life, you know, and things like that. And so, you know, you know, I got to a point where, you know, I ended up getting married, and you know, I was kind of a guy with a great black BMW, and found a gal with a white BMW. And I guess on some level, we thought maybe we had a lot in common, but we really <laughs> didn't. And um, and so, even though I was "quote unquote" moving up the corporate ladder, mm-hmm. doing really well. Um, you know, there was, you know, there was a hole there, you know, in my life and um and there certainly was a hole in her life and us together. It, it that that wasn't really a good thing. So, you know, things quote unquote devolved from there and I won't get into the gory details, but um as things devolved, I ended up living by myself in a house with a dog I didn't like <laughs> and um Uh, And I had to start asking myself some hard questions, Mm -hmm. you know, and even though I had some success, I didn't have the whole life I was looking for. And um, and I honestly I was a snowy day and I didn't decide I wasn't going to fake the funk. And I turned on the TV and I saw this guy and he was preaching about the difference between religion and a relationship with Jesus. And I was like, really, a relationship with you? What, you know, and I literally, you know, I got on my knees and I asked the Lord, I said, well, if you're for for real, I really need to know. Mm-hmm. Um, if you are, I'll serve you, and you know, boy, if you ask a question like that, you will get a response. Yeah, and um, and so that kind of started my journey, hmm. you know, of really, you know, wanting to walk with God, you know, and to try to see about living that life because the life I was living, even though I had a lot of the trappings at that time, you know, I was in Fortune magazine and Black Enterprise and you know, front page of a local paper as a perfect executive, <laughs> I knew that wasn't true, hmm. and so I needed to start making a different. Take a different path.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And in one sense, it was true with your your corporate life. But then, what people didn't see is the personal side. Right? They didn't see the personal toll it right. was taking on you and, and where you were going.
2: Right. So yeah, it's the immaculate resume, right? Yeah, the resume was fantastic. <laughs> you know, all this accomplishment, going to these fancy colleges, you know, mm-hmm. like Dartmouth College and the Wharton School, and graduating at just turning twenty-four, and a great job at General Mills and running big businesses, and yeah, the resume looked great. Mm-hmm. But the life, um, life didn't match that resume,
1: mm-hmm. you know.
2: And so, um, you know, and I just think you get that kind of dissonance between your actual life and the external things that you see. And I think that pushes you, you know, to ask yourself some hard questions.
1: Mm-hmm. What kind of difference did that make in your life once you started yeah. uh, asking yourself those questions and, and confronting God with what was... Yeah, no, I mean, your life.
2: you know, you'd love to get to the thing, well, hey, you know, I did these things, I asked these questions, and instantaneously everything was solved. Mm-hmm. Everything was solved. It doesn't work That's like right. that. Yeah. I mean, nope, you, nope. you it takes years to get into the the box, mm-hmm. and it takes time to get out. But the good thing is um, the, the walking along with God and walking alongside God, you know, you could see yourself changing, you can see things around you changing. Not everything changed instantly and the, the sins of the past, they do go forward you know, in your life, but God also works in your life to bring new things mm-hmm. and to redeem some of the lost things and to bring you new things as well. But the most important thing is you become a new person, regardless mm-hmm. of all the other things that happen or don't happen. You know, the truth is you're changing mm-hmm. and, and you can appreciate that. And whether someone else sees it or not, it doesn't really matter. Whether someone else accepts it or not, it doesn't matter. What matters is your relationship yeah. and what you think. Yeah, you know, and I think that that clears up a whole lot of stuff.
1: You know, for some people, they they think it, they look at marketing and advertising, public relations, those those kinds of things, and they go, "How could God possibly be related to my vocation? How does God see my? You know, I, people say we should see our work like God sees our work. I don't know how I would connect." Advertising and marketing with with something that God is doing through me. How would you answer that for them?
2: Yeah, you know, um, well, you know, you look at the 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 mission of the company, you know, and I actually helped work on writing that original mission, and um, you know, the mission was to nourish lives, and you know, that's what we do through food. Mm-hmm. You know, so everything that's involved in the production, the manufacturing, the sale, the distribution, the gaining of awareness, and the marketing of that product, you know, sums into the idea that we are here to sell food that nourishes lives, and the bigger idea, which was to, um, frankly, we feed the world. You know, we have mm-hmm. a privilege of being one of many companies that feeds the world and mm-hmm. distributes food efficiently to people that provide nourishment that allow them to do the things they do. And if you can't see a mission with that you need to get in another career, you know, you need to go work in another place. Yeah. And that's okay. But that's a high and that's a high calling, mm-hmm. you know, actually. Mm-hmm. You know, to help feed the world and to do it in an efficient way. Yeah. You know, it's, when it's, we have more waste, more people starve.
1: That's right. I think common grace for the common good is something that yeah. that can fit into so many people's jobs when they right. begin to see what I'm doing it's, you know, it's not it's not being a pastor, it's not doing these you know things that we we often immediately think about when we think of doing ministry, and yet you're right. serving and right. you're serving the common good, and so yeah, yeah that's Absolutely. one way
2: yeah, I mean, that's one of the big you know things of the whole faith and work movement you mm-hmm. know, to be honest with you is just to let people know that God cares about the things that they do and the mm-hmm. things that they do, they matter, mm-hmm. you know and and you don't need to feel guilty that you're not in the Honduras doing something right now in mission work, um, when you're serving the world, doing the things you're called to do to make everyone's life better. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's a high and mighty calling. You yeah. know, and I think sometimes people don't see it that way and they kind of look wistfully over to some other kind of, you know, other kind of life instead of actually realizing that you know, we've been called to do this and that our work is worship. Mm-hmm. And you look at the old Hebrew words and those things are the same. Mm-hmm, work mm-hmm. and worship,
1: and we get a great example from Jesus as well as someone who not only taught truth but he loved people well. And you saw him serving in compassion, not just right. not just preaching to people, but actually getting to, getting in their lives and serving them right. and being compassionate.
2: Yeah, absolutely, in a real and authentic way. Yeah. Well, you talked about mentorship
1: a little bit before uh, we were on the show on the air together. Tell us about your mentor and kind of wh- what that relationship was like and what you learned from it.
2: Yeah, you know, it's kind of funny because after I made my decision to start to walk with Christ, I said, you know, Lord, I need some help. <laughs> I need some help. I need to really, I need help quickly. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and interestingly enough, a few weeks after, I met a gentleman named Carrie Humphreys, and he. Um, was a business leader, and he was vice chairman of Cargill, which is one of the largest companies in the world. And um, he was from Virginia, had that strong Virginian accent, and he kind of said, Mark, you know, some men and I, we get together to look at the Word of God um, in a men's group. Would you be interested in doing it? And I was like, oh, absolutely. Hmm. You know, I felt like oh, it was like something a gift from the Lord, you Mm -hmm. know. And uh, over the years, you know, he not only became a great – role model and teacher but he was I just used to call him my spiritual father hmm. you know because he helped birth me in the you know in into a uh, an effective life as a business person mm-hmm. you know and as a christian and he You know, I mean, he did all kinds of things for me, just getting me involved in different things. If the national prayer breakfast was going on, he'd get me there. If it's a local one, he'd get me there. If it's Billy Graham, he'd be on the finance committee and he'd be dragging me along. And, you know, and he dragged me into, um, willingly dragged me into a variety of different forms of Christian ministry that were um, available to guys in business and where business folks could actually you know, make a difference, really Mm -hmm. make a difference. And the other thing is he just kind of role modeled what did it look like to be a a Christian business leader, you know, today. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, uh, And I know that was just a gift from God. I didn't realize I would move up so far in our organization and, you know, have a role very similar to his. But it was certainly helpful to have been able to see that and see what that looked like, you know, being a person of integrity and things like that. Mm -hmm,
1: mm -hmm. You find that that fellowship uh, actually helps Christians avoid some of these traps of, you know, the insecurity, the making a name for yourself kind of thing. Was that something that was so important to you?
2: Yeah, well, I think, um, yes, indeed. Um, But You know, this idea of role modeling is a really big one, Mm. you know, for folks. And I know people say I'm not a role model and all of this kind of stuff, but I do think people need, you know, mentorship and role modeling and, you know, I mean, Paul talks about it, you know, about being a role model and be imitators of me as I imitate Christ. I mean, so this isn't unusual stuff. Mm -hmm. This is actually real stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it's important, you know, um, important to do, uh, to share. What you've learned with others and share your life, and it's important to learn from those who look like they're trying to do that right.
1: Mm-hmm. How would you counsel a young Christian executive who wants that mentor to go out and find someone? Uh, how would you counsel a, a senior exec who sees somebody who needs a mentor and you know wants to start a relationship like that?
2: Yeah, I think that's tricky. You know, <laughs> yeah. Number one, pray and ask. Yeah. You know, I mean, it sounds really. Silly, but I think asking for one um and then I think when you ask, I think you should look expectantly you know um for one um I think as a very senior leader, you know there are lots of things you can do you know small things and big things one thing I've just started about four or five months ago was um I started a a young men's group of African American you know business guys hmm. who are trying to move up that corporate ladder and started a Study a Bible study with them. We meet every every other week on Thursdays. We read great, great books together, and uh, we send out questions. We sit around the table, and you know, and then things happen, and you begin to mentor with others. And some get really close and call you up before a presentation. You know, what do I need to do? <laughs> others do it differently, but I think you can create opportunities as well, um, just by sitting around the table and you know, culling through the good the good book. Mm-hmm, you know? mm-hmm. So uh, you, we've read a couple already. Uh, Play the Man, Mark Battison, and the, the, we're reading Basic Christianity by uh, John W. Stott right now, mm-hmm. and uh, just to anchor the brothers in the true yeah. the truth of God's Word and what's going on, and uh, walk together alongside some folks. And the ones that are organic, they'll continue and get stronger, and you know, maybe the things that are more contrived, they won't stay.
1: Yeah. Well, you, you've said that we we're what did you say, over-resourced and under-read when it comes to Scripture, right? Yeah. <laughs> how, would, yeah. how would you uh, admonish a Christian who says, man, I just got to get into the Word more, but there's just not enough time in the day, and I don't know what happens when my day's just gone?
2: Yeah, you know, um, I've get, just gotten to the point on that where I just say, look, you know, stop making excuses. You know, get up 20 minutes earlier. You know, put your TV, social media, or whatever else, down for 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um you know it's almost a Nike thing, it almost just just do it, you know, I mean, find the time you know there, and God makes it so that we have time to spend time with him, you know, and so you just have to do it and just stop making excuses at some point, you know that I hate to say it like that, but it's kind of the way it is, eventually <laughs> you just have to you have to do it, you have to make the decision that it matters mm-hmm. and uh, maybe the other part of it is is when you're reading. Read it as if he's talking to you, mm-hmm. not as if you're some distant observer, you know, or some, you know, student at seminary or something like that. I mean, read it as if you need to know. Yeah. And he might be saying something that might be helpful for you today or helpful for you for someone else.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I always say try to learn as much as you can because even if you don't think you're going to use it now, God may have something for you. Right. you, you got to
2: believe that somehow, you know, this is not in vain. We know the word does not return void. But right. you actually have to believe that. If That's you right. do, then you then you'll take some time and read.
1: Yeah. So in the second half here, we want to talk about being a spiritual influence at work. Um, but first, unpack for us this idea of whole life discipleship that you talk about. How is how is someone um, who who embraces the faith and work movement wanting to share whole life discipleship with people? What's kind of the main takeaway there?
2: Yeah. Well, you know. Um well, I guess there's two different things. You know, okay. I think there's one. You know, the essence of the faith and work movement, right? Which is, you know, that your work is truly valued by God, and um, and there's no need to look to the right or to the left, but to trust that God is somehow you know is using your work as a form of worship to build the for the common good, the mm-hmm. good of the glory of God and the good of man right? Um, the idea of whole life discipleship, you know, I kind of played around with this idea today with, uh, with some of the students, and we talked about GPS. And, you know, it's a global positioning system, right? But we talked about God-empowered servants. And, you know, and the first system is, is incredibly elegant, you know, in terms of how it's actually structured. You know, there are 32 satellites, they use trilaterization um, to actually pinpoint you at a, at a specific point, atomic clocks, distance and distance between objects to actually pinpoint where you are and can do it an incredible level down to the down to the foot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the autos have sensors you know, inside them. And those sensors have a responsibility and role to identify different things and help, you know, the user respond in appropriate ways. And then there's this VIX system, which actually is kind of a vehicle communication system that actually is the one that tells you when you ought to pick a different road versus your traditional road because of the traffic or maybe the street or maybe there's something else that's going on. It's almost a brain that's in the back. Mm -hmm. And we use that analogy to think about um, our life in the kingdom, you know, God being quote unquote this satellite who's providing, you know, purpose for all of us, mm-hmm. as well as a variety of spiritual gifts. The word being a map, you know, and all of these uh, GPS systems rely on maps, and thy word's a lamp unto thy feet and a light unto thy path. So that's a lamp. We talked about sensors, different forms of sensors that are important. And as you know, sensors can get clouded. And in many ways today, you know, issues around integrity or humility you know, or around grit and resilience, those are sensory things where we have to see situations and respond accordingly. Mm-hmm. And we kind of put together this little construct you know, to share with people um, you know, for that user, that person who's in the center of it. And, uh, and so that was kind of what we talked about you mm-hmm. know, today. And I, and I hope it landed fairly well. I think people thought it landed fairly well, at least.
1: Yeah, so in this analogy, you have God as the, uh, the satellite. Yes. It, that's, that God has this vantage point that we don't have, right. right? And God can direct us because we're honestly just often quite lost in this world, and we're bumping Absolutely. into things. We don't know what's going on. Um, so neither does the next guy unless we tune into yeah. God because he's got, he's got the perspective, right? Right.
0: This episode is brought to you by the Grace Enough podcast. I am its host, Amber Cullum. Each week, I sit down with a guest to discuss hard truths and the unwavering grace of God they've experienced while journeying in God's kingdom here on earth. You'll hear from guests like Jen Wilkin, Jamie Ivey, Andy Crouch, and Scott McKnight. Listen to these conversations and more by searching Grace Enough Podcast on your favorite listening app or by visiting graceenoughpodcast.com
1: Talk about the censor the part of that um, analogy a little more um, what are some of those things that we need to be sensitive to in our lives as we seek to be spiritual influences at work?
2: Right, I think that the, the, um, the three things that I kind of highlighted at least today was integrity you know, which I think is one of those traits that frankly we're in bad need of you mm. know, here in our society um, I also talked about humility and um that's one I hadn't spent much time talking about, but I feel in the last few years, you know, it's something where, boy, you know, we really need to put this back on the table. Um, it does impact your business performance because you know, as I said earlier today, I think the greatest mistakes I made were when I did not exercise humility. Hmm. You know, they weren't lack of knowledge or lack of information. And in business, you know, there's risk and there's return. You're going to have some things that work and there are going to be some things that just don't work. But you ought not to have things um, make mistakes that you could have avoided by just doing Um, What's right? Getting wise counsel, looking at the facts, listening to your consumer in humility, not versus, you know, what you'd like to do Hmm. and uh, denying reality or denying the facts. Those will get you, you know, really in trouble. And frankly, you'll tank your business,
1: Hmm.
2: you know, and uh, so humility is really important. And then there's just an aspect in life of just having some resilience and grit. You know, just being able to hang in there, grit it out, and understand that difficult times will come. You know, the scripture says a righteous man will fall seven times, yet he rises again. Mm -hmm. You know, another uh, scripture in Psalms says, you know, many of the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them from them all. He guards all of his bones. Not one is broken. So we're going to have adversity. And yet we are to stay near to him, Mm -hmm. you know, to walk through the adversity, not to operate in denial or, you know, or, or seek a, a quick solution to a difficult and challenging process that then makes us better.
1: Yeah, yeah, Jesus says, in this life you will have trouble. Yeah. That's the favorite memory <laughs> verse people like right. to crochet on, you know, little baby blankets right. or anything like That's that. That's right, but, but it's...
2: don't worry, I've overcome it all, right? <laughs> the, the Bible
1: is very real when it comes to that adversity yes, that we all face. Yeah, tell us about the difference between uh, integrity and, and honesty, because yeah. sometimes people get those two things kind of, Kind of mixed up yeah, together.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's interesting. You know, Stephen L. Carter wrote a book called Integrity, and he had three main points. You know, the first point was you must spend time to discern what is right and wrong. The second point was really to be willing to communicate what you've discerned. What have I learned? And then the third was to be willing to do that which I have learned, even if it's at a cost to me. Um, but there's a huge difference between integrity and honesty. You know, um, and many people you hear, they'll say, Well, I'm just being honest. You know, well, they're honestly wrong. Mm -hmm. They haven't, they failed the first case. They haven't actually discerned what is right and wrong. They're giving some flip response or some kind of a response based on their personal experience to a situation and then extrapolating it somewhere else. But the truth of the matter is, they're wrong. Mm -hmm. And today, we have a lot of people running around, quote unquote, being honest, but not actually doing the hard work of discerning. near that which is right and that which is wrong. Mm -hmm. And so yeah, so integrity is definitely not honesty. Can you think of a time where in your life you've you've
1: had to count the cost and you went ahead and stuck to your guns, and, and you you kept your integrity, but it cost you something.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, a number of different times, especially in the corporate world. You know, um, you know, I was running the uh, one of our largest divisions, the cereal division, and you know, I had done research and study in some areas about new movements with consumers, and I could, when I moved into that area, I could tell that that challenge was actually coming. and it was on its way to impact the cereal business. And i tried to write a number of presentations to articulate what these forces were that were going to impact cereal, and maybe explain why our growth was um, starting to slow and starting to uh, to, to decline as a category. And uh, I remember working with my boss at the time and we were writing a pitch to the board of directors and I kept trying to insert the forces around this cereal, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, the cereal business, in a bowl, and uh, him kept writing that out and taking it out of the deck until went back and forth a couple times until he eventually kind of wrote the deck for me, hmm. um, you know. And I, you know, I finally figured out, you know, that we weren't going to have that conversation. Um, but during my time in that business, I certainly um, tried to represent that point of view. And um, we had some great success, you know, we actually took over number one in the industry versus Kellogg's, and we'd never been number one, you know, as a company, and frankly, haven't been since and um we grew profits, but not at the rate they were hoping for and you know, it's probably a little bit because of some of those issues, and maybe some of my issues. But you know, they moved me into what I called exile at the time, hmm. um, and gave me a few nice businesses to run, like YoPlay and and some emerging organic businesses which I had acquired years before. And um, I took that as a time of feedback, and I was kind of resilient about it. I, I thought about trying to leave, but I, honestly, I think the Lord had a plan for me there, and I just worked on getting better. Hmm. You know, just getting better, improving what I do and having great performance. And uh, years later, you know, uh, that same boss called me into his office. He was the CEO and he said, You know, Mark, you're getting promoted today. And I was like, Wow, okay, great. Hmm. Um, he says, Do you know why? And I said, I, I thought it was in exile.
0: You know, no, <laughs> I don't.
2: And he said, Hey, the reason why is because you had the courage to tell us what we didn't want to hear hmm. about this industry. And we mm. need guys like that wow. on the team who are willing to do it, you know so that that's a classic you know example um where sometimes you know there's a short term cost, but maybe you know maybe you know there's a longer term you know mm-hmm. gain, but there's no guarantee sometimes there's a cost, and there's you know there's no promise that you'll see the fruit right. of that right and there's a lot of scripture and you know we talk about Hebrews 11 the heroes of faith many of them never saw yeah. the benefit of their trials mm-hmm. but they saw it from afar right yeah yeah by faith they saw it
1: right some of them are real popular names some of them they don't have names that we know right. about right that's right and so god god honors those who uh you know you might think when nobody sees god sees
2: yeah right right you have to believe you have to trust yeah you know the other thing you know it's interesting about you know that the issue of uh you know, the stuff is, you know, they, the scripture says, fear of man is a snare, but he who trusts in the Lord is kept safe.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, and so on some level, you've got to um, be willing to, you know, to stand up for that, which you've discerned to be right. Mm-hmm. Please don't stand up if you're just being honest about something because you can take a hit that, you know, God has nothing to do with because you haven't actually, you haven't done the work. Mm-hmm. But if you've really discerned it and figured some of the stuff out, I think it's important that you be willing to communicate it
1: yeah now you've been involved in writing uh, mission statements and core values and things like that for corporations. How can a Christian who wants to be a spiritual influence at work begin to think about writing their own personal core values for um, how they're going to be an ambassador for Christ in the workplace?
2: yeah now that's an interesting question. Um, you know I guess the first part of it just starts with you know figuring out what your own core mission is and you um, you know, that is one that is done, I would have to say, done with uh, with much prayer and, and, and maybe even some counsel working with you to kind of work through, you know, what your personal mission statement is, mm-hmm. trusting God that you're doing what is right. Um, maybe with a mentor as well? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, counselor, mentor, I yeah. mean, any of those things. If you've got one, you know, use it. Um, you know so I, that would that's the approach you know that I took as it related to, to working on one of them um, we even did it, it the crazy things we've done you know it was my wife and I when we got married after all of the other stuff went down and God was gracious to me, our pastor said, I want you guys to write a family mission statement hmm. And so we spent the summer working on our family mission statement and we put it on the back of our uh, of our invitation you know, to the hmm. wedding. And then we ask people to covenant and pray for us and with us and hold us accountable to living it. So when you walk into our house there's the Belton Family hmm. Mission. There you go. And what is it? Oh gosh, it's really long. Oh. <laughs> it talks about loving each other magnificently, mm-hmm. um, making ourselves servants, you know, mm-hmm. of God. Mm-hmm. Um, it talked about how we want to raise our kids in the way of the Lord, how we want our home to be a place of blessing. And that in our endeavors together, we want to somehow make him smile through the things that we do and Mm. serve. And uh, we, as we had kids, we then modified it because I wrote it, we wrote it together in really high language and our kids were young. So we had it, we changed it to just be, you know, be for God, just be you and be in service to others Mm. and Mm. uh, made it. Kid friendly. Yeah. Yeah. But I I think the idea of having those things can be a good compass for you. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we would actually look at our family mission every year at our anniversary and ask ourselves at dinner, hey, are we living it out? Hmm. Are we doing this? And you can do that with your own personal mission as well.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so that when you're in a, a corporate setting and you have with – whether you're managing people or whether you know, other people are managing you and you think about how am I going to relate to these people, um, you can bring that to bear, right? You can yeah. ask, how, how can I serve the people that I'm working with? Right. Um, how, how are you able to counsel people to see their workplace as a place where they can serve those around them as well? Uh, how can we be on the lookout for those kinds of things?
2: You know, that's a tough one. I don't know if I have a great answer to it, um, but I think we need to be servant leaders. So in every endeavor, you know, we are to lead through service. Mm -hmm. You know, I think the most important one, if you're in a company, is to serve your customer, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? And and I think sometimes companies get in trouble when they lose sight of the fact that their number one job is to serve their customer, Mm -hmm. and then their number two job is to serve one another. Mm -hmm you know, and uh, not to say we should put people in, you know, terrible situations so that we only serve our customer, but, you know, very often companies become enterprises, and it becomes all about them. Mm -hmm. It becomes all about serving themselves Mm -hmm. instead of actually remembering that the only reason why we're here, you know, is to serve our consumer. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it's interesting. We have a business called Hamburger Helper, and, you know, that would – you would consider today to not be a um, highly affluent-oriented consumer base supporting that business. And, um, you know, and maybe people who are a little less affluent but still love their children and want to value their kids and are trying to give them something good to eat, but, it, you know, it's obviously not pecanier steak or something like mm-hmm. that. Um, yeah. You know, it's hamburger. And, uh, you know, a lot of times I have to kind of wake people up and say, hey, wake up here. You know, the only reason why you're driving that BMW is because you are serving this consumer. Mm-hmm. You know, don't disparage this consumer. These folks are hardworking, good people. They are trying to figure out how to make it work. Mm-hmm. You know, and stretch that dollar and take care of their family, and you know, and it's your job to serve them. Mm-hmm. And the only reason why you're driving that fancy car is because you are doing a good job serving them.
1: Mm-hmm. And ministry is actually service, right? And so we yeah. take the word ministry, and it sounds, uh, you know, it's a Christian word and we automatically think we know what ministry is but we have a little bit of a narrow view sometimes because we don't see serving others um outside the church as as a ministry a lot of the time
2: it's absolutely a ministry you know and i think that's why the faith and work movement has such a strong platform for growth today Mm -hmm. because you're trying to help people unlock the truth that what they do matters Mm -hmm. and their work is a form of worship and they are there to serve and make other people's lives better Mm -hmm. through the things they do
1: yeah you know and so having this idea of, of extending common grace for the common good really takes it away from just, you're just giving me money, you know, and, and yeah. the only reason I'm doing this is so I, you can give me money. Right. Um, no, but you're, you're, you're helping people flourish, and, and I think people can see that. I think there's, yeah. a, there's an authenticity that uh, really attracts people. to to the gospel and i like to say when it comes to faith and work that when we talk about our faith when we um talk about you know apologetic arguments as we defend the faith these things don't happen in a vacuum they don't hear your arguments in a vacuum they're wrapped up in this beautiful wrapper that is your life yeah and so who are you (laughs) you know who are you who's who's uh sharing the love of christ with people um if they trust that that you're serving, if they trust that um, you're trying to help people for the you know common good, right. um, that's going to go a long way. Yeah. Have you seen in and in, leading
2: authentically? You know, yeah, that you're an authentic leader, a transparent whole person. Mm-hmm. You know who's trying to you know with all the failings that we have. Yeah. you know do what's right. You know to the very best of their ability, knowing that we're going to make mistakes. That's part of the game.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know,
2: and I, I just think people uh, you know people can see that. You know, I had a young man. Um, he's not young, he's my age, but we had worked together 20-odd years ago, hmm. and I got a call from him a year ago, and he said, hey, you know, can he come to breakfast? I'm like, great, I'm like, of course. You know, and basically he wanted to talk more about the things of God, and hmm. he basically said, I saw how you lived and worked at General Mills, hmm. and I felt like you were an authentic person, so I'd like to ask you some questions about <laughs> about that. And I'm like, wow. this is great. I'm in. Let's do this. I said, anytime you want to get together, we can get together. Mm -hmm. You know, because he was truly searching. And, um, you know, and I'm not going to sit here and say, you know, somehow he became a Christian because of what I did. You know, I I ascribed to the scripture that, uh, you know, I planted. You know, or I, I watered Apollo's planted, but God gets the increase, mm-hmm. or something like that. I'm a believer in that. That there are many people along the way that yeah. touch a person. And uh, yeah, last time we get together, I thought we were just gonna have another one of our sessions, and he told me he became a Christian. Wow, you know. And so then I gave him some study guides and some stuff to think about uh-huh. to help with the walk. But um, you know, that's incredible. You know, so a lot of times it's less about panning out tracts and mm-hmm. you know trying to somehow convince people about. It's maybe more about being the right kind of person and loving people in a way that they ask, well, what is unique about this person, you know, more than, you know, having our mouths flap all the time at Mm -hmm. a variety of things.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah everybody, everybody plays some kind of part in yeah, you know in, in your journey everyone that the Lord has you encounter and oftentimes it's because of relationships that yeah. that even people who say they have intellectual issues with with the scriptures and you know maybe they do but for a lot of it um, it's that emotional relational piece that really attracts them to mm-hmm. the gospel and, yeah you know and makes them go you know
2: what I'll, I'll give this another look. You yeah know? I, I think that's absolutely correct you know it, it's it's not al- always just your ability to argue someone i don't think people get argued into the kingdom they get loved into the kingdom and the biggest message is god's love for us right
1: and we have the holy yeah. spirit who is involved in that so that god can take right. what you use uh what your your personal story it might be a good argument it might be a bible verse but god is happy to use it
2: yeah absolutely yeah
1: so Tell me a little bit more about some of the uh, ministry things outside of the corporate world that you've been involved in.
2: Yeah, I've had the wonderful privilege of, uh, you know, guys just opened doors for me to do a variety of different things. You know, I serve on the national board of the Salvation Army. Um, and, and and of course, I'm working in their marketing area, leading their marketing. Are you a, a
1: general or something? Do they give you a rank?
2: No, they no. don't. I wish, you know, it would be nice. But uh, so I serve there on their national board and okay. I, I lead their marketing and community relations area. And that's really great fun for me because I know the, the skills that I've learned over the years are being used for the kingdom to help them you know, crystallize their. Awareness and position of what they do, reach people, and also help them raise funds so mm-hmm. that the people who are doing the service can give the best service they can to help the, as many people as possible. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that's just one that's just great fun.
1: The Salvation you know, Army is a very interesting case because when I was uh, working in marketing in a Christian nonprofit, we would say, in a day and age where people want to shy away from. Christian words like salvation right. or military terms like army. <laughs> right. The Salvation Army is rocking it, and no one's offended by the work that the Salvation Army does. It's you know?
2: phenomenal. They have an incredible brand, you know, if you think about it in the true brand, you know, mm-hmm. terminology and thinking. You know, high awareness mm-hmm. and people respect it, even yeah. people who don't care anything about That's right. the kingdom respect what they do, because you know what? They do the hard, gritty work that other folks don't want to do. They serve Mm -hmm. those who are most in need. Mm -hmm. And the people that they serve, you know, because of God's great love, these people They're sustained to go forward, and many of them then become transformed. And when they see that, even the lay guy can see the difference in the bum on the street who's now, you know, driving a bus and living a good life and raising a family. They can see the difference. Mm -hmm. You don't have to, you know, really advertise it per se, it sells itself. Um, It's just a tremendous brand. It is, it is.
1: And you've done some work in, in Africa as well.
2: Yeah, you know, um, interestingly enough, you know, this is just, you know, the, the crazy way God works. We've had the privilege of building schools in Sierra Leone and, uh, and working with One Village partners in that country as well. Um, you know, we want to help educate young people. And, you know, in the schools that are built, we always – yeah, we have a mandate that they learn the things of God. We don't have a mandate that they be, that they are a Christian because you know these schools are there to educate these young people. We don't know when they're going to come into the kingdom, and many of them are planted in in countries that are uh, in the country that parts of the country that are Muslim. You know, in that sense, but mm-hmm. you know we're not uh, trying to legislate things, but we're just trying to say, hey, we're here by the love of God. Please make sure you're sharing the love of God to these young mm-hmm. people. Um, we do things, um, you know, in a variety of other places as well. I talked earlier today about the Gospel Association of India. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've been working on building an orphanage there and finishing an orphanage there and, and supporting uh, youth and lay ministry things that go on in India. And I had a wonderful privilege of going and doing, you know, uh, ministry with the leader of that organization and, you know, sharing the word and doing, you know, mission work, you know, there. Um, mm-hmm. And there are just there are a variety of others that just seem to open up and come our way. You just mm-hmm. have to be open to them.
1: Yeah. Well, could you have imagined, you know, God's perspective that that satellite perspective on the world? You know, when you were just getting into General Mills, all that he would have you do.
2: No, I mean that's the <laughs> great thing. And you would never do it if you mm-hmm. thought, you know, that you had to do it. You know, um, I, I just think it is. You know, we. Progressively grow in grace. I think he opens up opportunities for us, you know, to get involved,
1: mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know,
2: and to use the skills that he's already given us and the talents that he's given us to, you know, give him glory and help, you know, transform the areas that we're, you know, that we touch. Yeah, you it's know.
1: that that common grace for the common good again. Yeah, and you see absolutely. people who are living just living the authentic Christian life that attracts people and people yeah. who say, "I know you have my best at heart, whether I." come to Christ or not, or not. Um, that that attracts people people take notice of that kind of thing
2: yeah you No. Know, you know we, we shouldn't be selling, selling stuff you know in that sense but it's a free gift and it's a free offering
1: you know and again
2: you know just being real and transparent and authentic you know there's no perfect person sitting around here in any of these places but I do think people can see your heart with all your flaws with the things you're mm-hmm. still working through I think people can see your heart. Yeah. You know, and um, and if they see that, you know, hopefully that is a window into the great things of the kingdom, you know. But if you're walking around trying to play the perfection game and, you know, all of that, people sniff through that because, again, we're, we're, you know, we are imperfect people, you know, who maybe the only difference between us and anyone else is that we've been redeemed.
1: Yeah. Right. That's right. Well, thank you so much for being with us today, Mark. It's been a pleasure and just thinking about our identity in Christ and being a spiritual influence at work. We're we're glad that you're uh, here to share your expertise with us today. Well, thank
2: you. It certainly was an honor. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you so much. Stay with us on The Table where we discuss issues of God and culture. Thanks for listening to The Table Podcast. For more podcasts like this one, visit dts.edu slash the table.
0: Dallas Theological Seminary. Teach truth, love well.